Friends, welcome to a lighthearted episode of Leadosophy today. Maybe not lighthearted, but I want to tell a little personal story about when I first came into the Coast Guard. It's a leadership story, and it's not necessarily about me. It's what someone did for me. They probably have no idea they did this for me. It's one of those moments in time that this was 26 years ago, and I still remember it vividly, the impact this person had on me. So I'm going to tell this story today. Shout out to him. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining me. I'm grateful for your time. You're here with an open mind because that's the rule, not the exception. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution. You are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. Friends, welcome back to Leadosophy. The story I'm going to tell today, my math is apparently off this morning. I haven't had enough of the lifeblood, the engine room, lifeblood of the engine room here, coffee. 25 years ago, the story takes place roughly, not 26. So that was my apology. In the, in the intro here. So what does the Sri Lankan Navy have to do with Tim? I'm going to read a little, just a couple paragraphs from an article here. From the Defense Security Cooperation Agency. I didn't even know that this part of the Department of Defense actually existed. Their slogan, their motto is Security Through Global Partnerships. The title of this article is New Missions and Stronger Partnerships. How U.S. Excess Defense Articles Help Promote a Free open, free and Open Indo-Pacific Region. In recent weeks, this was last year, this article was last year, April 2020. In recent weeks, Sri Lankan's Navy racked up some impressive victories against regional drug trafficking, traffickers plying its waters. On April 10th, 2020, the crew of the SLNS Samudura, this is a ship, and if you're watching, you can see it pictured above. If not, check it out if you get a chance. The ship, the Samudura, helped seize nearly 300 kilos of heroin, 50 kilos of crystal methamphetamine, valued at over $17 million. Last month, the SLNS Samudura's crew was also responsible for the largest seizure in the Sri Lankan Navy's history of 400 kilos of heroin, and 100 kilos of crystal methamphetamine, valued at $33.5 million. However, look closer. Again, if you're watching, look closer. And if not, visualize. You can still see in the SLNS Samudura, the ship, the familiar lines of what was until 2004, the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter, Courageous. The mighty Courageous, as I used to call her. In that year, the department's Bureau of Political Military Affairs transferred the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Courageous to Sri Lanka's Navy under the U.S. Excess Defense Articles Program, EDA. In Sri Lanka and across the Indo-Pacific region, smart investments in security cooperation like this make the United States the global security partner of choice and help our allies and partners contribute more effectively toward our shared vision of a free and open Indo-Pacific 
for all nations. I read a couple other articles about the transfer of this, the old mighty warship Coast Guard Cutter Courageous to the Sri Lankan Navy. And it's still in service in Sri Lanka. It's actually, it's quite active. They do all kinds of missions from counter-drug missions. They do a lot of fisheries missions where they are protecting the the fishing economy and the industry around Sri Lanka and in those in those waters, preventing overfishing, illegal fishing. Very active crew. And it looks like the boat has been taken very good care of. Here's a picture of it again. If, if, you, if you're watching, you can see it. The Sri Lankan Navy, the Samudura, was once this vessel here, the U.S. Coast Guard, courageous, WMEC-6. The WMEC is kind of like a call sign for Coast Guard cutters or for the Reliance class cutters. The Reliance class cutters in the Coast Guard are 210 feet long-ish. Shave some some inches or so either way. The Cutter Courageous was WMEC, which stands for Medium Endurance Cutter. There's there's not not a whole lot of agreement on what the W stands for. It's believed to originated decades and decades ago of a way to signify a Coast Guard vessel from a Navy vessel. The WMEC, we used to call it on the Coast Guard ship, the We Must Eat Chicken 622 Days a Year. That's what we, that was our running joke when we were out at sea. But that was my first unit out of boot camp. When I was 18 years old, I decided to walk out of class one day, community college. I'd been in college maybe a month or so after graduating high school. I walked out of class and went went to, drove straight to an army recruiter and said, sign me up. I don't care anything about what you want to tell me. I have no direction. I have no purpose. I have nowhere. I have no idea where I want to go in life. I am lost. Give me the papers. I will sign them. I think within 15 minutes, I had signed the papers at the Army recruiter's office. Walked out the door, drove the 15 minutes back to my parents' place where I was living. My dad came home from work. I told him I had joined the Army. He was not happy. This was four years after Desert Storm in Iraq, the Iraq-Kuwait engagement. My dad didn't want to see me go to the Middle East to to fight in that war or similar wars. So he called the Coast Guard recruiter. Asked me if I wanted to join the Coast Guard. I said I had no idea what the Coast Guard was. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. If you draw a line straight north of Cincinnati and straight west of Columbus, roughly, you'll get Dayton, Ohio. I grew up in Huber Heights, Ohio, which is just on the little suburb on the outskirts. I didn't know what the Coast Guard was. I didn't even know it was a branch of the military service. Most people still don't know the Coast Guard is a fifth branch or sixth branch now of the United States Armed Forces. We drove to Columbus the next day, Columbus, Ohio. I signed papers there to join the Coast Guard. To this day, I have no idea how my dad got me out of the Army conundrum I was in. But I know he did call the Army recruiter and I was no longer going in the Army. About three months later, I went to Coast Guard boot camp, six days before Christmas, 1995. 
probably eight of the longest weeks of my life. Probably over a thousand times I questioned what I was doing. I didn't feel bold enough, strong enough to, to get through it at times. I thought it was a dumb decision. I've made a lot of dumb decisions in my life. Some small. Most were small. Nothing completely catastrophic, but just a lot of decisions I didn't think through, I guess, sometimes. We all make dumb decisions. We're all human. I got through the eight weeks of boot camp. I think boot camp was hard for me because I was, I mean, let's be honest, I was a mama's boy. My older brother was six years older than me. And I was probably pretty spoiled. Well, I was kind of spoiled. My parents were very good to me. They were good to both of us, my brother and I. But I probably got some of that baby boy treatment from my mom. But yeah, joined the Coast Guard and out of boot camp once I finally made it through. I found out my first unit was the Coast Guard Cutter Courageous. What is now the Sri Lankan Navy vessel San Maduro. This was a monumental shift in my life. This was going to be the first time that I was leaving home. Some people go to college. I was heading to a Coast Guard cutter out of Panama City, Florida. And being an 18-year-old young man stationed in Panama City, Florida, spring break, one of the spring break capitals of the country in the United States, seemed intriguing, interesting. But I'll never forget the drive down to Panama City. I don't know how long it took, 13, 14, 15 hours. I drove it straight in my 1988 blue Plymouth Sundance. It had no radio. I drove that entire way with no radio, just the sound of the the car on the road, tires hitting the pavement. I... I can remember on this drive wondering over and over, you know, I talked about the last episode, the movie that plays in our mind, the movie that was on loop in my mind was what am I doing? What did I do? Is this the right decision? Is this door I'm about to walk through the right one? And you never know until you walk through the door. But whether it's the right door or the wrong door, sometimes it just is. It's the door you walk through and whatever happens after that, the chips fall and you you deal with it. But I was going down to serve on a Coast Guard ship at 18. Name the Coast Guard Cutter Courageous and I felt anything but courageous. The Courageous was one of the many Coast Guard Reliance class cutters. By Reliance class, they're named after traits like that. Reliance, dependable, the durable, the courageous, steadfast. The Coast Guard Cutter Courageous is, if I'm not mistaken, one of only two Coast Guard 210-foot medium endurance cutters that is now decommissioned. The Mighty Warship Courageous, I say that in jest, a little bit of laughing. But she could definitely be a wartime ship. She could have been. The Courageous was decommissioned 
about eight days. I think it was eight days after September 11th, 9-11, 2001. I can remember getting the invite to the decommissioning ceremony around that time, months before the actual ceremony. And of course, a flood of memories come back. The Courageous was built in Lorain, Ohio, ironically enough, about two and a half, three hours north of Dayton, where I grew up. She was, she was built during the Vietnam War, 1968, 67. I think it was actually about a six or seven year building process from the early 60s through 1967, and the Coast Guard Cutter Courageous was commissioned in, commissioned in a Coast Guard service in 1968. She had a good run. 40, what, 43 years was a good one. So I'm driving down I-75, fast forward to 1996, February. And this was just about probably three or four weeks after my grandmother passed away. My grandmother passed away about 10 days or so before I graduated boot camp, maybe a little longer. She lived with us in the final year or so of her life. And I remember graduation day at boot camp, I was excited to go, go back home to, to Dayton in the brief vacation period I had before I had to report to the Courageous to see her. And after boot camp graduation, my, my father had told me, we were on a walk, and he told me that she had passed away a couple weeks prior. They didn't want to tell me for fear of I'd want to come home and I don't know. Maybe it would have been an easy way for me to say, I don't want to be in the Coast Guard anymore. Let me go home. Let me out. Let me quit. Let me be a quitter. I'm grateful for my parents for not telling me, for making the decision not to try to let me come home. It was the right decision. So, yeah, that was an interesting period from boot camp and the drive down to to Panama City, Florida. Once I showed up to Panama City, and by the way, I don't recommend driving 13, 14, 15 hours straight, even if you're uh, young and full of zest and energy. In my older years, in talking about human factors and human performance and human error, driving 13, 14, 15 hours straight is not a good idea. But anyways... So I remember showing up to the Coast Guard Cutter Courageous. It was, I believe, a Saturday or a Sunday. Again, I'm 18 years old. 18 years old. I am not feeling courageous. I feel terrified, anxious, second-guessing everything I'd done. I already miss home. I'm already homesick. I'm scared. And I remember standing in the parking lot of the Coastal System Station Navy base in Panama City. That's where the Cutter Courageous was docked at. That's where the home port, went, home port was at, on a Navy base. I remember staring at this cutter just in awe. It looks so huge. looks so big. So, uh, so daunting. And I finally, I think I may have, I, I probably don't, you know, obviously a quarter of a century goes by. Your, your idea, your concept of time is, a little fuzzy. But I felt like I stood in that parking lot forever before I mustered the the courage 
to walk up the brow of the ship, which is like a metal aluminum walkway that goes from the concrete pier up into the ship to the, to the flight deck before I mustered the courage to walk up that and onto the ship. I checked in with a quarter deck. That's the little watchstander shack that's right outside the ship that serves as kind of like the first point of security on shore for people coming and going or around the ship, checking in visitors, whatever. He checked me in, logged my name, social security number. Welcome to the Coast Guard Cutter Courageous, he probably said. He was probably an E4 petty officer, E5 petty officer. I was a lowly seaman apprentice, E2. I was about a rank above pond scum, as they might say. I got on the ship and there was no one around. I waited for a couple minutes and this tall, young lad comes strolling across the flight deck and, and greets me. Ask me what my name is. I tell him. He says, hi, I'm Jason. I'll give you a tour around the ship. And I'm terrified. I mean, I am just... I'm nervous. I don't want to make a mistake. I want to make sure I'm using all my military bearing. And I'm sure every new military man or woman, when they show up at their first unit, or maybe just like you show up to your first day of work, you know, you have that nervous, anxious feeling. But I was probably, in my mind, I was building up to be more than it really was. But Jason, Jason took me under his wing. He spent the next 30 or 40 minutes, I don't know how long it was, showing me around the ship, asking me about where I was from, asking me if everything was okay, did I have everything, showing me where to get chow, food, breakfast, lunch and dinner, showing me where my rack was at, where I'd be sleeping, which on these ships was, they were three high, Racks about three high. I think there's probably 25 or 30 racks in this one compartment where we were packed in with sardines. I had a bottom rack, so there were two racks above me. And when you lay in these racks, you have probably about maybe 24 inches above your face before you hit the steel of the next rack, the bottom of the next rack. But he showed me where my rack was at. He was confident. He was helpful. He was compassionate. He didn't have to be. You know, he could have treated me just like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of new military boots, they call them, just out of boot camp, greenhorns, whatever you want to, whatever lingo you want to use. Maybe this was in the older days, but you could get treated pretty rudely. You know, it's not, you're not quite part of the tribe yet. But Jason did anything but. He was super nice. I come to find out that he was, he had been on the ship about two, maybe close to three years as a non-enlisted member, as an E3. And I remember wondering why he was still an E3 and hadn't promoted, hadn't advanced up to the ranks of E4 yet, which was common back then. You know, you could make E4 within the first 
two or three years or so. But Jason was waiting for aviation survival technician school. He wanted to be a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. He wanted to jump out of helicopters. And the waiting list for that school at the time to go to this school, which was arguably one of the hardest, most physically enduring schools in the Coast Guard, probably comparable to some of the other most, most or the hardest schools physically in some of the other branches of service. The waiting list was almost four years to go to the school. So you had to basically stay at your, your first unit, not advancing, and wait for your name to slowly creep up, creep up the list before you could go to school. In hindsight now, I think about this story often. It said a lot about, a lot about Jason's character. I'm going to talk more about personality traits and character this week because I've been doing some research on it from a leadership standpoint. Being a non-rated, lowly enlisted ranking member on a Coast Guard ship, probably a Navy ship, no different, is not glamorous. It's a lot of manual labor, painting, sanding, chipping paint, chasing running rust out of the anchor pocket, tedious tasks, standing watch, standing bridge watch for four hours from four to eight in the morning and then doing a full eight-hour workday and then going back to bridge watch from four to eight in the evenings. I remember a month or two when I got on the ship, I didn't want to be on the ship anymore. I didn't have the character that Jason had. I felt weak. He was anything but, I don't know if he ever felt like that, but to get through three years on the ship as a non-rated enlisted person to wait for a school took a certain amount of fortitude, determination. He had that. I knew that not long after I met him that I could see how confident he was. He walked around the ship like it was his ship. And he treated me like he wanted me to be the part of the team. And that was my first leadership lesson in the Coast Guard. And I didn't even realize it until probably not long ago. It was my it was my first my first idea of, of observing someone exhibit leadership when they didn't have to. When it was probably not the norm to, you know, kind of spend that much time with a new person when they got to their new unit. But Jason did. I'm grateful for it. And I guess the final lesson I take from this is, you know, I often think about when you reach the end of your life, if you, if you know when that end is, is potentially nearing, not something that happens abruptly and you end, your life ends abruptly, but is your life kind of like a series of snapshots as you get closer to the end? And if it is, this, is always, this has always been one of my snapshots the first time that I showed up to the Coast Guard Cutter Courageous, my first follower 
leadership moment with Jason. And the lesson I take away from this is Jason probably would never remember the story. I've never told him this. I think I maybe only talked to him once after he left the Coast Guard Courageous. I think he left the Coast Guard Coder Courageous a little less than a year after I showed up. Went, into, went on to have a, a successful career as a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. I think he retired as a chief petty officer, as a rescue swimmer. Shout out, Jason. I don't think Jason remember, would ever remember this story. But why this story is important from a leadership perspective is because you never know what impact you may have on somebody. Even if it's maybe the, the moment in time seems trivial for you, for you or maybe not trivial, but you're just on autopilot. You know, there was two or three of us that reported to the Coast Guard Courageous, courageous over the week before I showed up and in the week after I showed up. So Jason may have encountered two or three of us that were new and he probably treated everybody the same with compassion, treated everyone like they were part of the team. But Jason probably didn't realize the impact he was having on somebody or maybe he did. Maybe he knew this was our first impression of the Coast Guard from an operational standpoint. And he made it to made it a point to to make sure that first experience was a pleasurable one and not something that put us put us off to the Coast Guard or you know make us want to regret, regret our decision. But regardless of whether he did that on purpose or whether he was just kind of on autopilot, and that was just his character on how he treated people, which was I mean he was, he was always very nice and pretty laid back and it was just his nature, but. You never know what circumstances someone is coming in. Maybe they're scared. Maybe they're new. They're anxious. And you may have that impact on them if you kind of metaphorically put your arm around them. Tell them it's, everything's going to be all right. I got your back. Let's get through this together. Let me show you the way. Let me be the one that show you, shows you down this first path. I'll make sure you get down this first path safely. Now, many paths beyond that will might get difficult and may not always be there. But this first one, I'm holding the lantern, follow me. That was Jason. That's my leadership lesson. That was my first leadership lesson in the Coast Guard. I was at my unit less than 20 minutes to get my first leadership lesson. I tried to be a good follower that day. I don't know if I was. I had the opportunity to reciprocate that that leadership moment a few months later when now one of my greatest friends showed up to the ship and I did not I did not give him the Jason treatment I was kind of cold I was kind of rude I acted kind of like he was annoying me and I regret that I regret that a lot I wonder if he remembers that as his first encounter to the Coast Guard Cutter Courageous. Again, we went on to serve together for another year or so and went our separate ways in the Coast Guard. And he is still in the Coast Guard, coming up on his probably 25th or 26th year as a successful Master Chief. Phil, if you're out there, this one, that's for you. 
I'm sorry I treated you so badly when you showed up. I should have gave you the Jason treatment. So there's a poor leadership example from me and a, a small but impactful leadership story about Jason and how he treated me and how to this day I never forget, I've never forgotten that, that moment and what he did for me. So shout out Jason. That's Leadosophy today. That's the personal story. The Coast Guard Cutter Courageous, now the Sri Lankan naval vessel Samudura. And again, one last switch between shots there. Again, if you can see it. And if you're not watching, you know, if you're listening, you can just envision the slanted Coast Guard stripe. White Coast Guard vessel with the slanted orange and blue stripe. And then the Sri Lankan vessel now painted gray, the mighty Coast Guard cutter courageous painted gray like the Navy is, our Navy and the Sri Lankan Navy. Is it still the same ship? Kind of the paradox, right? The Coast Guard cutter courageous is now the Sri Lankan naval vessel of San Madura. Is it a different ship or is it still the same ship? I'll leave you with that, with that little philosophical paradox there as we close. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm grateful for your time. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of, of leadership and of life. This was a life story for me. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.